This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be here. And great to be with you once again to talk about the Parsha, to share some ideas, to look into the Torah, a book of instruction, a book that guides our life. Torah's Chaim, it's called. It's the Torah of life. It creates life. It gives life. It gives direction in life. It makes us understand life. It gives purpose to life. And that, more than anything, is so important in today's day and age, the ability to see purpose, meaning, reality in life. Life sometimes becomes so meaningless. It becomes so empty. It becomes something that we simply pass through. Torah tells us no, every moment counts, every situation is important, every encounter is meaningful, every situation is there to teach us something, and we look for guidance, we look for structure, we look for purpose in Torah, because Torah is the infinite word of God, the infinite teaching of God, something which transcends time and space. Yes, it was given at Mount Sinai thousands of years ago, but it has the same relevancy today, here and now as it did then. And this is something that we have to continuously search for in Torah. This is why whenever we talk about the Parsha on this program, we talk about relevancy, we talk about the meaning that it has to us today in the lives that we live. We live busy lives. We live, well, sometimes ordinary lives, sometimes extraordinary lives. We live lives in a situation of the world as it appears today. And this is why it's so very vital to look to Torah, to try and understand the message of Torah, and particularly in the Parsha of the week, as each Parsha has something to tell us about the current week. I've mentioned a number of times the saying of the first Rebbe, that he said one must live with the times, one must live with the Parsha of the week. It carries with it not only, well, an important message, but an absolutely vital message. It tells us exactly how to live our lives. But in order to understand that, in order to see that, we have to delve, we have to study, we have to search, we have to look, we have to try and understand what we are reading, what we are learning, and how to bring that message to the lives that we live in the world today. The parish, of course, is of Ayera. It says that God appeared to him in the plains of Mamre, and he was sitting in the doorway of his tent in the heat of the day. You know, it's an interesting opening. Ayera is very dramatic. God appears, God in all his infant infinite dimension, God in all his greatness, God in all his glory, appears to whom? To him. Where? Well, we specify precisely where. Eloni Mamre. In the fields, the plains of Mamre. When? Well, when? In the heat of the day. We know the time exactly. And not only that, but it's also where? At the, well, the doorway to the tent. Whose tent? His tent. Who is he? We know, of course, it's Abraham. We know it's Avraham Avinu, our patriarch, our father Abraham. But why all the secrecy? Why all this indirect concept? Why don't we simply say, why doesn't Torah say that, Vayer Elav Hashem, not Elav, Vayelav Hashem El Avraham, God appeared to Avraham. What is this all about? Why don't we mention his name directly? We speak about God appearing to him, and he, again, we don't mention his name, he is sitting in the doorway of his tent, 
during the heat, the intense heat of the day. And in actual fact, if you take a look at the parish, it takes quite a few sentences before we actually mention his name. And of course, we know from context that we're talking about Abraham, we're talking about Abraham. But again and again and again, we talk about someone who does and someone that does. And it's only later in the portion that we finally come across by Yemahir Abraham and Avram runs in order to fulfill the particular type of duty that he felt duty-bound to do. What's this all about? And Vayera, as I said before, is an exceptionally dramatic and powerful opening. God appears. God, as I said, in all his infinite glory. God appeared many times to Abraham. In last week's Parsha, the Parsha of Lech Lecha, we spoke about it last week, how there was this radical and dramatic change in the life of Abraham. He, well, left his father's home. He left his birthplace. He left the country where he lived. He elevated himself to an altogether different level. He moved away from anything that might restrict his growth, his power, his greatness, and he moves away based upon the instruction from God. And God talks to him a number of times. And we know that God talks to him a number of times why this dramatic opening Vayera and God appears to him as if to suggest it's the very first time. And then again, of course, the question that we have to consider is why the anonymous dimension to him and he sits, etc., etc., etc. Why not simply state clearly, positively, openly that God appears to Abraham? And this Parsha, like last Parsha, we are living the entire week with Abraham. And every single day we see a different dimension of his personality, of his greatness, of, well, what he really is all about. And again, within context, we have to mention that what Abraham did continuously is radically and dramatically change the world's thinking. A world of, well, idolatry, a world of immorality, a world of violence, a world of all sorts of terrible things. And one man stands up, Avram Avinu, together with his wife, Sarah, and through tremendous, tremendous logical argument, change the thinking of the world. And a great many people, tens of thousands, if not more, begin to follow the philosophy of ethical monotheism that Avraham is teaching. Avraham is introducing a radically new idea into the world, the concept of one God. At that time, most people believed in the number of gods, idols. Every natural power had its own God, etc., etc. And Avraham refutes all this. And it's a time that Avraham is emerging as an important and great world leader, a thinker with ideas that not only change the minds of people, changes the behavior of people, changes the nature of the world from a world that has sunk into absolute immorality. It's now becoming a place where as a result of the influence of Avraham, people are beginning to think differently. People are beginning to behave differently. People are beginning to consider their mistakes. No, it cannot be idolatry. There has to be some sort of power, some sort of strength that controls the world and takes care of the world and ultimately, of course, created the world. And Avraham goes through the entire last week, growing, developing each and every single situation, confrontations, challenges, tremendous opportunities, etc., etc. But last week's Parsha ends on a very important note. And that note changes the entire context of the life of Abraham and his relationship with God and what he has to do in the world. 
And that was the Brit Milah, the circumcision at the age of 99. This great man who achieved the highest levels of spiritual development actually listens to the instruction of God and circumcises himself, an act of tremendous self-sacrifice, not only physically in the sense that he had to go through a medical procedure that at the age of 99 in that part of the world could be quite dangerous, and he does it with a tremendous sense of devotion, with a tremendous sense of joy. And not only that, but he, in fact, brings the circumcision to his entire household. It's because, ultimately, Avram could have simply said, why do I need this new and added covenant with God? After all, I've achieved the highest levels of relationship with God. I've left my birthplace. I've left my father's home. I left my land. I have dramatically shown again and again and again that my devotion to God is absolute, without question, without any type of doubt. And yet he does it. We have to understand what, in fact, that was all about and what, in fact, the change that took place was all about as well. But more of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipsker from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Abraham. We're talking about the tremendous self-sacrifice in terms of the Brit Milah that we read about at the end of last week's Parsha and how this again changed dramatically his status in the spiritual sense to another extraordinary level. Although he was at a great level already, having fulfilled the will of God, the instructions of God, this brings about even greater change, and we have to understand what, in fact, that change is. But before that, well, here is an extraordinary man who single-handedly changes the world, thinking of the world. He brings about a family that ultimately becomes the most powerful family on earth, perhaps not in military strength, certainly not in numbers, but in terms of survival, in terms of contribution to the world in terms of bringing about a tremendous difference to wherever they come. He becomes the father of the Jewish people. How does all this happen? And as I said before, the Brit Milah. When we talk about the Brit Milah, we talk about circumcision, we simply say the Brit, the covenant, because somehow this is an extraordinary act that brings about an infinite and total, well, contract between man and God, God and man. Man is prepared to somehow indicate, even in his physical dimension, that he is bound to the teachings of God. He is a witness to the concept of of one God. But it goes beyond that as well. Avraham is indicating that even though he's 99 years old, he's achieved greatness beyond measure. Nonetheless, all the instructions that he received from God up to that point are somehow in a general sense. This is the first time that God specifically indicates one specific mitzvah that he has to fulfill. And what does that mean? That indicates that even at the age of 99, a man who has developed his understanding of God and godliness, his tremendous, tremendous intellect, a person who is able to recognize God when no one else did, and to use that incredible intellect to influence the lives of so many others. We are talking about a man who has achieved, well, extraordinary greatness intellectually. And because of that, one might think that Avram has reached a point where he can simply say he knows it all, he understands it all. After all, he's dedicated the vast 
majority of his life, most of his life, almost his entire life, to this process, to this development, recognizing God, understanding God, teaching about God, speaking about God, that while he knows it all, at the age of 99, he is prepared to listen to God and to fulfill a specific commandment that God gives him. This is not only a tremendous act of self-sacrifice. This is a powerful demonstration of humility, that at the age of 99, he recognizes that ultimately, in every sense of the word, regardless of how much he has developed his intellect, regardless of how great he has become, he must be humble in the eyes of God and listen to the instruction of God even at the age of 99. And while we may say these words, it might sound simple, well, yeah, very nice, he listens to God, no. We have to understand that in terms of his life, this was an extraordinary challenge. At the age of 99, to accept that all his accomplishments up to that point are minimal in relationship to that which he can yet do. This takes tremendous, tremendous humility in the eyes of of God, and this is precisely what Abraham does. And because of that, there is a new and radical change in his status. He achieves a spiritual level which is infinitely greater to the one that he had up to that point. And therefore, when the Parsha opens up this week, Vayera and God appeared to him, it's an altogether different type of godly divine revelation. It is something that he never experienced before. It is something which is so far greater than that, that it becomes the opening statement to the Parsha of the week, Vayera, something which is traumatic and something which is powerful and something which speaks of about greatness that wasn't seen, understood, or experienced up to that point. Vayera is an altogether different type of revelation as a result of the act of Brit Milav circumcision, as a result of the self-sacrifice, as a result of the incredible humility that Abraham has in the presence and the eyes of God, listening to the instruction of God. Abraham achieves an altogether different type of level, and this is why this Parsha while similar to the one before, is altogether different because now he is on an altogether different level and Vayera, it's a different revelation as well. And that's why it says Vayera, a love to him. It doesn't mention his name. It doesn't mention his name, not because we don't know whom we're talking about. We know precisely that we're talking about Abraham, but to him indicates a level of humility. We don't mention his name to show, to demonstrate, to underscore the idea of Humility. God appears to him. It doesn't mention the name because he's far higher than the name that he had previously. He has achieved an altogether different identity and an identity which is now coupled with a powerful dimension of humility. And therefore, we don't mention his name. We only speak about to him. Yes, it does talk to us precisely where it took place. It took place where it took place in the fields of Mamre, people who encouraged Avraham to listen, to follow the instruction of God. It also tells us precisely where he was. He was sitting at the doorway of his tent in the heat of the day. And why do we have to know that information? Why is it necessary for us to be told that he was sitting at the doorway of his tent in the heat of the day? Why can't it simply say that God appeared to him in the fields or in the plains of Mamre? And the answer is because ultimately, what is the single most important expression 
of Abraham's personality in life. It is the idea of chesed, the idea of kindness. It's the idea of generosity, reaching out to others, welcoming others, making others feel comfortable. This is what Avraham is all about. Avraham is an individual whose life is dedicated to the concept of chesed. He is a welcoming person. He encourages those who are far away physically and spiritually to come to him and to receive whatever kind of nurturing they need, whatever type of comfort they need in the hot desert. And the reason that we're told this is not only, again, to emphasize what, in fact, the single most important character of Abraham's life is, It's because we have to be told that one might think that having achieved this new spiritual level, this new height of devotion to God, something which was extraordinary and beyond all type of definition, all type of limitation, he might think that now it's time for him to live permanently within a spiritual dimension to remove himself from the world. And the answer, of course, is not. Avraham knows full well that the reason he achieved this new level is not that he has a new status and therefore he's able to bask in the glory of God, but rather he has to take this new dimension as infinite, as great as it is, something which is far greater than he experienced before, and to bring it down to a practicality in the things that he does. And this is such an important lesson in life. You know, we often think to ourselves that when we achieve, well, whatever type of greatness it is, that we distance ourselves from others and remove ourselves from interaction with others. We remove ourselves from having a relationship with those that are, well, different, distant, far, lower perhaps. Avraham tells us no. This is something which has to be translated into a practicality precisely in those areas that he was working in before, reaching out to others, teaching, showing, providing spiritual food, physical food, providing all sorts of comfort and nurturing expressions in order to bring about the change in the world, to make this world a dwelling place for God. And it speaks about in the heat of the day, Because we mustn't forget, yes, he's recuperating, he's recovering from the Brit Milah, from the circumcision. And God did something in order to make it, well, extraordinarily hot so people shouldn't be wandering around and bothering Avraham. Avraham should have time to rest. Despite all that, in the heat of the day, he does what he has to do. The heat of the day, well, it indicates a tremendous spiritual dimension. The heat of the day, God brings about a different type of warmth, a different type of light, a different type of expression. And Avraham says no. Despite any type of circumstance, particularly a spiritual circumstance, it is my duty to reach out to others. Avraham teaches us an important lesson over here. And as we see through the, throughout the entire Parsha, again and again and again, Avraham does precisely that. He takes this new level of spiritual development. He takes this new spiritual identity, and he uses it for the benefit of others. In a few moments, we move across. And what's the story that we're told? We're told about how God says, I am going to destroy Sodom because it is an evil, violent, immoral city that has turned against me in the worst way, and it can no longer exist. But I cannot do this, I will not do this, without sharing this information with Avraham. And he comes to Avraham, and he tells Avraham, 
what he's about to do. And what's Avram's reaction in this incredible conversation, in this incredible discussion between Avraham and God? Well, you might think that he's a humble man, and he's achieved a new level of humility, a new level of spirituality, a greater and more powerful bond with God, and therefore whatever God does has to be done. Abraham says no. Abraham says to God, and listen carefully to what he says. He says, will not the master of justice behave in a just way? You cannot destroy the evil with the righteous. What happens if there are 50 people, and he goes from 50 to 40, all the way down to 10? Because he feels, again, duty-bound to somehow express this idea of chesed, looking for merit in the lives of those who sometimes don't deserve it. But this is his job. Even though he has this new devotion to God, and he should simply accept what God is doing and listen to what God is saying, no, he challenges God. And the question that we have to ask ourselves, how dare Avraham, who's achieved this new level of greatness in the eyes of God, this new level of humility, turn to God and say, will the master of justice not act in a just manner? Is this the way a humble man speaks to God? And perhaps what's important, why does God feel necessary to share the information with Avraham, what he is about to do? Why is it necessary for God to do that? Why does he want to do that? And here and again, we see this incredible relationship of what this bond, this connection, this infinite relationship between Abraham and God is, and therefore ultimately between every man and God. And that is sometimes when you see the hand of God acting in a manner of justice, harsh justice, punishment, God forbid. Our duty is to turn in prayer. Our duty is to turn in devotion and to plead with God to reconsider and not bring about this harsh application of God's justice into the world. And why does God tell Avraham what he's going to do? Simply because Avraham has to raise himself to the newfound level of greatness and be prepared to challenge God. God wants Avraham to challenge him, and therefore he tells him. And God would be terribly disappointed, so to speak, if in fact Avraham would simply say to God, well, you're God, you do what you have to do. No. Avraham doesn't do that. Avraham challenges God. Just as he sits in the heat of the day looking for wayfarers so that he can fulfill his duty of being a kind and generous, welcoming person. Similarly, when it comes to the destruction of Sodom, his first reaction is, how can I save this place? How can I exercise kindness? How can I overwhelm the gvura, the harshness, the justice of God? with a dimension of kindness. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Avraham's newfound greatness, his new status, his new level of spiritual greatness. And even though he has achieved something so extraordinary as a result of the fact that he was humble and he listened to the instruction of God, the specific instruction of God, the mitzvah of Brit Milah, circumcision, nonetheless, when he hears about the fact that the people of Sodom are about to be destroyed, his initial reaction is to try and save them. Similarly, even though he is recuperating from, well, the Brit Milah, nonetheless, 
he understands that this newfound level of greatness is not something that should put him into blissful isolation in a spiritual sense, but rather to interact with the world in a far greater and more powerful manner. And this is why he sits at the doorway of his tent looking for wayfarers so that he can exercise his particular type of character, the concept of chesed, the concept of kindness. We're talking about how Avraham shows his great devotion to God by challenging God, even though he has achieved a new level of humility, as I mentioned earlier on, and this is why his name is not clearly mentioned at the outset of the parasha of Ayera Elav, and God appears to him, not to Abraham, but to him, nonetheless, even though he has achieved a new level of humility, he challenges God when he feels that he might be able to do something to help others who, well, who quite clearly don't really deserve to be helped. And then we come to the end of the Parsha. And something shifts and something changes. God comes to Abraham again, and this time he asks him to do something which is truly difficult. He says, I want you to take your only son, the one that you love, and I want you to bind him and offer him as a sacrifice on the altar at the place that I will show you. His son Yitzchak, one he was waiting for all his life. The son who ultimately becomes his successor and carries on the teachings of Avraham to develop the Jewish people to become the second of the patriarchs. And God here tells him, no, it's time for you to take that son and to offer him as a sacrifice on the altar of God. And one might think that at this point, like previously with the story of Zdom, well, Avraham would rise to the occasion and despite the newfound humility that he has achieved as a result of Brit Milah, will challenge God and say, God, no. You promised me the son. You finally gave me the son. This is a son that has to carry on. This is the son who's going to take my teachings, who's going to take my legacy and bring it forward. Absolutely not, but he doesn't do that. He quickly begins to fulfill the will of God. He wakes up early in the morning. He harnesses his donkey, and off they go in order to fulfill the instruction of God, something which is harsh and something which is difficult and something which is incredibly, incredibly challenging. And we have to ask the question why, when it came to the people of Zdom, he challenges the notion of God to do justice, as it were. And when it comes to himself, he doesn't challenge God. And the answer, of course, is not only because in the people of Zdom it's someone else and this is him, but he knows that God would never make this sort of demand unless it was absolutely necessary. And because it was absolutely necessary, he knows now is not a time to challenge God. Now is a time to listen specifically to God and to do what God wants with a tremendous sense of haste, with a tremendous sense of joy, with a tremendous sense of devotion. And this is something which is so important for us to understand when we have to exercise humility and when we have to rise to the occasion of challenging sometimes the actions of God. And this is not an easy one. It's not an easy one at all. And Avraham is the greatest man on earth. Avraham has achieved again and again every single stage of his life, newer and higher levels, and at the outset of this portion, altogether, altogether different level. And yet Avram knows quite clearly when it's time to stand up to God and to plead with God that God should change his mind, as it were, and to exercise chesed instead of givura, kindness, compassion, instead of harshness, instead of severity.
and when to simply accept the word of God and to say, this is something which is absolutely necessary and therefore no challenge will be forthcoming, no questions will be asked, simply fulfill the will of God. And this is an area where we get it so wrong sometimes. When we should be humble, we're, well, less than humble. And where we should stand up and use our powers of prayer, of change, of asking God to change his ways. Well, we become humble and we simply accept. It takes tremendous wisdom. It takes tremendous insight to understand how to apply each one of these different types of devotions to God, but to do so at the right time and the right place. And for this, we have to understand the story of Abraham again and again and again, and to read it again and again and again, to understand why here he acts in one way, and there he acts in another way. And both of these events take place after he has achieved this newfound spiritual status based upon incredible humility in the presence and the eyes of God. Because humility sometimes means, well, you have to rise to the occasion. There is nothing worse than false humility. Yes, arrogance, false well, false, false pride is a bit stupid. But false humility can be as dangerous when a person says, ah, no, it's not for me. I can't do this job. This is not something which I can do. This is something which is far beyond my ability, far beyond my case. In fact, it's completely contrary to the who I am and what I am and how I behave, what my character is all about. This is not part of my personality, and therefore this is not my duty, and therefore this is something which I cannot simply do. And Abraham tells us, no, false humility is something which can be destructive, particularly when it affects others. If, in fact, others are in a situation of need and you can do something to help them, but you kind of feel that you are not up to the task, you are not up to the mission, well, find the strength. You have the strength. It's within you. It's, it's something which is there. Call on it. Bring it out. Instead of having false humility, bring out the strength that you possess. And at other times when God brings about a situation where he wants certain things to happen, you have to learn how to accept with a tremendous sense of humility, with a tremendous sense of understanding, with a tremendous sense, as I said before, not only with devotion, but with joy as well, to understand when and how to behave given different circumstances, knowing full well when true humility is called for, and there are four particular type of action and false humility that should be rejected, and therefore a different type of action as well. And this is all contained in the Parsha of Vayera Elov, and God appeared to him a different, a new type of revelation. The greater we become, the higher we rise. The more that we are able to see and understand, the more that God reveals to us the greater responsibility of behaving within this physical world correctly and responsibly and with a tremendous sense of goodness, a tremendous sense of chesed, a tremendous sense of kindness. We are forever duty-bound at all situations, at all times, to deal with others, to deal with the world in the best possible way. Yes, there are times that we have to exercise gevura as well. Yes, there are moments when we are called upon to stand, well, to stand firm, to stand strong. And despite the fact that we want to be nice guys, no, to do the right thing, to do the correct thing.
But as I said before, when to apply this or that takes tremendous wisdom. And wisdom comes with experience. Wisdom comes with understanding. We have to learn it again and again and again. We have to learn the laws of Torah to know how to behave in different situations. We have to learn to understand ourselves again and again on a deeper and greater level. We dare not simply look at ourselves from a superficial point of view. We have to look at ourselves from a higher level. We are those who are the children of Abraham, and therefore we possess incredibly powerful strength, incredible, incredibly powerful elements. The revelation that he received, he passes down to us. He passed down to us. It's those qualities of his life. It's those achievements that not only we admire, but we receive with a tremendous sense of understanding that this is here to give me strength and insight to know how to behave in given situations. May Hashem help us to have this wisdom. So tomorrow when you are in shul and you're listening to the story of Bayera, a fascinating story, each portion will tell you a great, great story. Listen carefully. Listen carefully and try to understand what it means to you. Let it resonate within you and let the message come home to you. It's there to tell you how to act, how to know yourself, how to know a situation, and how to fulfill the incredible bond that each and every one of us has with God, a bond that is based on devotion, commitment, humility, and joy. Good job.